I want to um, just pray really quick before we get started with this portion. Jesus, we love you so much. We continue, God, to set our gaze on you. Jesus, you are the thing, the person we want to behold today. And so, Jesus, we, we behold you in your beauty, in your power, in your majesty. And we continually, God, just welcome you. Jesus, Holy Spirit, God the Father, in every facet, in every way that you want to come, we say that the, the, the doors are open, that you can come in whatever way that you want to come, Jesus. Because as, as long as it's you, God, we want it. We want everything that you have for us, Jesus. And so, Jesus, we just take this moment to continue in worship and continue, God, to say, I love you. Amen. I prophesied about the hunger um, that God is going to start stirring in us lately. And I want to tell you guys, I watched this video of worship. I, I recorded one video of us during worship on Easter last year. And I remember I was up there with, with Magnolia, and I felt God prompt me. He said, record this, because it will never look this way ever again. Like, this is the last, like record this. And so I recorded it, and I looked back on it this week, and I want to commend you guys for your, um, for going with Vince and I, because we have been prompting you to be expressive in your praise. We've been prompting you guys to kind of move out of the box and to, to welcome God and to partner with God during your praise and your worship. And I'll tell you that last year, Everyone was just standing still, a little solemn looking, very still. I could only hear Irona singing. Now, I want you guys to really like take a moment to look around and worship, not to be like creepy and judging people, but, but take a moment to look and see the way that like the freedom is what it is, the freedom that has come for people to feel that they can engage with God in an expressive way. It's, it's so beautiful, and I can hear everyone singing. I can hear people singing their own words to God. I can hear them singing um, the lyrics or, or whatever, but I just want to, like, take a moment to, to commend you guys, but also, like, thank you, Jesus, for coming and breaking off some barriers, breaking off some, some things that, that, that kept us a little boxed in, um, because it's a really, really big thing to be able to praise in expression. And it's not an emotional thing. It's not like, it's not to stir up emotion. But I want you guys to all think about heaven. When we read in the Bible what heaven is like, and when, we, when it says that there's, you know, it's rejoicing, there's no pain, there's no suffering, that angels are constantly singing holy, 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 that, I mean, I'm sure everyone in this room has someone that is in heaven and you think of the cloud of witnesses, you think of all the Bible characters, you think of heaven, I can very positively say that there is jubilee in heaven. It is loud. It is energetic. It is bright. There is, there is uh, expression 
to like no end. There's music in heaven. There's instruments in heaven. There's people dancing in heaven. There's angels dancing. There's angels blowing trumpets. There's, there's so much going on in their praise and their worship to the Lord. And I just want to encourage you guys that by us expressing, um, you know, with our arms or, or, how, or dancing or with flags or whatever, that is modeling what is in heaven. And keep going. Keep going because that is our goal. It is, it is to engage with heaven. It is to engage with, with Jesus and the praises that are constantly going on. And it's just really beautiful because in heaven, they don't have the pain and the trials and the tribulations that we have. And so what a gift to give the Lord to be able to be expressive in praise when we're going through something. I want you guys to think of it that way. When you come into church, kind of just like what Dawn said, I'm giving you this without an expectation of how you're going to resolve it or what you're going to do with it. But God, I'm coming in here on Sunday in my trial, in my heaviness, in in, in whatever is going on, this situation that is clouding over my head, whatever it is, I'm coming in here with the the best gift I could give you, God, is to give you highest praise even though this has not been resolved. It's, God, I'm going to express myself. I'm going to model heaven, and I'm going to agree with heaven that you're wonderful and you're holy and you're, you're, you're worthy of everything that I have. That's the greatest gift we can give to God. I truly believe it. I truly believe that our praise and our, our beholding of Jesus when things are not resolved is the best gift that we can give him. Bill Johnson, a pastor that I admire, says it this way, that it is the, this is the only time we could ever give God that form of worship because we are not going to be able to give him our tribulations in heaven because they're going to be resolved. And so what a better way to praise God than when we're going through something. It's so beautiful. And so I, I challenge you guys even more so when you feel like you can't break through something, even more so express yourself in, in giving praise to God um, because he's, he's worthy. <laughs> he's worthy. And it's, it's our way of, of just, God, it's all about you. It's all about you. Whether this thing is resolved or not, I'm coming here for you. And there's... There's a lot of emphasis, so I, I want to go back to the hunger thing that I, I, I prophesied. I saw, I saw in a dream that, there, that God's hand was like carving out space in our lives, and, but it was like our belly, but in the spirit, our belly represents like our spiritual being. Um, and so I saw him carving out space in our bellies, uh, and he said, I'm creating a hunger in my people for me. And I want to encourage you guys that that's what he's doing. And when he comes, like his presence comes on Sundays or in your room or in your car, or whenever you feel his presence, that's actually him creating hunger because he's giving you a taste of who he is. And our response in praise and worship, our response to his presence is, oh, I want more. That's what it should be. It shouldn't be, like Vince said last week, this long list of things. It should be, how how can I get more? I have to have more. And I I remember the first time I encountered the Holy Spirit. 
I was 10 years old, and I was, I was at a kid's camp, and my mom called me at kid's camp. I was away. It was like a five-hour drive away from my house. I was at kid's camp, and my mom called, and they called me to the office, and my mom called to tell me that my older brother was just arrested and, and was in prison. And I went back to chapel. It was during our nightly service. And I went back to chapel, and I just started praying and interceding for my brother to get salvation and to, to have an encounter with God. I was 10 years old, but that was what came over me was just like, he has to know Jesus. Because if he knew Jesus, he wouldn't be here, you know. And so I, I remember praying for my brother, and the Holy Spirit came over me. And that was the first time that I was baptized in speaking in tongues. And I, I just remember I was shaking and I was crying and the Holy Spirit was so strong. And I, I, that moment marked me for the rest of my life. Now, I was 10 years old, wasn't discipled very well. I, you know, you're 10. Uh, so... <laughs> So I just lived my best 10-year-old life. But then around um, age 13, um, I moved away from my parents. I was not living, um, it just wasn't a healthy place for me to live. And my grandparents, who were pastors, came and asked my mom, can, I, can we take Sophia for a little while until some things settle down? Um, meanwhile, I had no idea that one of my older brothers at the time was meeting with a group of men in church and they were praying for me because they were all scared of what was going to happen in my life and which way I would go. Uh, I was called the wild one in my family. <laughs> the, the nickname was Little Wildy. And so you see my children. That, that's from me. <laughs> if you see them reading a book, that's Vince. If you see them running around and screaming, that's me. Um, but, but my older brother was praying in a men's group for me and my grandparents came and picked me up and I started going to a Christian school. I'm giving you my whole life story right now, but I started going to a Christian school and I started attending my grandparents' church and I was in eighth grade and I saw this group called Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge is an, an, a na nationwide thing, but it is for men, now women as well, who have addiction problems. And they kind of, it's a Christian-based thing, and they, they go to church, and they re rehabilitate these people who uh, want to be set free from drugs. Anyway, Teen Challenge comes to our church, and they came every Sunday night to my church growing up, and I remember seeing them walk in. My dad went to Teen Challenge, and he escaped. <laughs> which I don't know why I just laughed at that, but uh, he, he was a part of Teen Challenge, and he escaped. And, and I remember it was, it was around that time, and I was just, like, so bummed out because I was like, oh, you had an opportunity. So I saw these Teen Challenge come in, and I saw these men worshiping, and it just broke me. And again, I felt prompted by the Lord to pray for them, like to pray that this would be their freedom, that this would be, that this would change the course of their life. So I remember I was standing in the corner at the altar right over here during worship, and Teen Challenge was over on this side. They sat in the first two rows, and I just reached my hand towards them and started praying for them, and that Holy Spirit came on me again. I hadn't experienced it since I was 10, and it came over me again, and I I, that moment, that 13-year-old moment, 
is when I dedicated my life to God where I said, God, I want to be sold out for you. Like anything you want from me, I have to have more of you because his presence, it's that taste of his presence where I'm like, God, I, I have to have this because this is unlike anything else in the world. This is unlike anything that anyone could ever experience apart from you. It's so good. I have to have more. And so from that moment on, I I chased after God and I went through this really weird thing as a teenager where I, you know, I didn't do what my friends did and I didn't do what my family did. Uh, And it was like awkward for me because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just being this weird religious thing. Um, But God just kept prompting me like little by little as because he had my yes. And that's what it is. And so I want to talk to you guys today. Just the highest form of praise I think that we can give God is consecration to him. Like our lives laid out to God and saying yes to God. God, if you slowly start stripping things away, I'm still going to say yes. If you start pushing me in one way, I'm going to say yes. Our yes to God is high praise because it's saying No matter what I see, think, hear, or feel, I'm going to say yes because I believe that you're worthy of it. I'm going to lift your name high even if what you're asking of me isn't natural, isn't comfortable. I might lose some friends. My family might not agree with it. But to go all out for God, I'm telling you guys, He is so worth it, and you won't be disappointed. And so as that started happening, when I was a young teenager, you know, he would, you know, first, I'll tell you the first thing he worked. I had a really bad, like, sailor's mouth. I just cussed so much as, like, a 13-year-old. Like, come on, who are you? I don't know. It's just, but it was, that was, you know, growing up, like, it wasn't that big of a deal. I remember, um, you know, saying the S-H-I-T word and my mom getting upset. I need to not be recorded. I am not. (laughs) I am not used to this. Okay. But I I remember saying that and my mom's like, oh, Sophia Noel, you know, like her little girl. And my dad's like, what? It's just poop. You know, it's another word for poop. And so that was just like a normal thing. Like it just, you know, it wasn't a big deal in my family. Um, And so So I just remember that was like the first thing as an eighth grader that God was like, let's not talk that way. (laughs) Like, let's, let's rein it in, you know, like let's use words that are, uh, that are beautiful and life-giving and that are unlike the world. And that's, that's the idea. So, um, so he started doing that. And so first he started working with my mouth and then just, you know, other things and, and the way I thought, the way that I, I had you know, a really just, just thought life, everything. He started changing. But this is the part I want to get to. <laughs> this is the good part. When I continued to say yes with his prompts of like, you know, maybe stop hanging out with these people so much. Like, let's do this. Read your Bible. And I started saying yes to God. I started encountering him on my own in my bedroom by myself in the most special ways. The first time I ever had a vision of an angelic being 
was when I was in ninth grade and I was in my bedroom all alone. It wasn't church. It wasn't pastors laying hands on me, although that's good and it happens. But it was in my room alone, and it was so intimate. And it's because I I carved this space, not just in like a 24-hour period, like our time space, but like a space in my life. I carved space. I decluttered. I got rid of things that may have messed with my sensitivity to him. And so that's really what it's about. It's creating sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that when he gives you like little nudges, you can recognize it because you're not so filled up with other things. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is a very popular verse. I do want to read it out of a kind of a unique translation. It's the Passion Translation. It says, Beloved friends, What should be our proper response to God's marvelous miracles? I'm sorry. I don't have my glasses. I read that wrong. To God's marvelous mercies. What should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. This is the the key part right here. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So this is a lot that I just gave you. Um, but I really want to focus on this, this first verse, that what should be our response to God's marvelous mercies? It's a living sacrifice. It's fully surrendered. That is our high praise to God, saying, God, I believe what you did for me on the cross is worthy of my life. And so I surrender myself, I yield myself, and opening yourself up to saying, God, have all of me, have it all. And I I cry, you might, I, I am an emotional person, but I'm crying because I'm so moved by what God has done in my life. Because if you only knew what I was plucked from, if you only knew what God had healed me from, if you only knew the things that God has done in my life from when I said yes until now, you would be crying too. It's, it's the things that when, he, when you say yes to God, the way that he comes into you, you have to have more of him. And that's the beauty of the journey with God. It's, it's you say yes and he comes and you, you keep saying yes because he's so good that you, can't, you just have to stay on that journey. You, you have to. He never, ever disappoints. There has not been a single time in my life where he has disappointed me. Has there been times of waiting? Absolutely. There's been times where I have, I've prayed for seven years for my back to be healed. I had scoliosis in my back. And the scoliosis created um, something with my hip joint to where my hip joint rubbed so much that I actually lost all the cartilage and the ligaments in my hip. So my hip just kind of 
didn't have anything holding it together. It just moved a lot. And so because of that, it was, it was grinding down my pelvic bone. So I, I had all kinds of issues. A young girl from 10 till 17. And we prayed. I went to every altar call. I had every anointed man and woman of God lay hands and pray for me. And it took seven years. But he healed me. And I think that it's so cool because he healed me at this same year where um, I was supposed to have surgery. I was an athlete. I so badly wanted to play college sports, but I I just kind of gave up and I didn't pursue it because of my condition. And the orthopedic surgeon said they were they were going to perform surgery, but they're like, you're not going to be active. Like you're not going to be able to play sports. So. God healed me the summer before I was supposed to have that surgery. And I ended up being able to go and play college volleyball. And it's like God, like I waited that seven years, but God came through like at the moment and I was able to do what I wanted to do. And so there's been seasons of waiting, but not of disappointment. There's been really hard seasons. There's been seasons where I don't feel comfortable with God to be honest, but I keep saying yes, and I keep praising. There's been seasons where I question, hey, God, (laughs) where are you at? I know you're here because I could feel you, and I push. I'm like, but I have this thing, and he, he just keeps prompting me, like, trust, 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 and then he, he moves. So don't let your waiting be confused with disappointment, because that's not what it is. Your waiting is not a disappointment. Second thing is trust. If you can trust God in your waiting, that's high praise. It really is. If you can come in here or throughout your life and worship God and say, God, I give you the glory I give you the honor. I celebrate you, Jesus. I celebrate what you've done on the cross. When you're waiting and you're just saying, I trust you, oh, that word to Jesus is so beautiful. Saying that you trust him, that's an, that's, it's a way of praising him. It's so great. Being able to trust in the trial and the tribulation is such a big deal to God. James tells us it actually grows our faith, right? That it actually produces the, mature, the maturity in us. And so to, to, it's not fun. I, I don't like that James says, count it all joy. <laughs> that bothers me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I believe it because it's in the word, but it's hard to count it all joy when you're going through things. I'm like, couldn't you have just said, let's, let's just trust, you know? But to count it all joy, I don't like getting going through maturity seasons it's not fun I've been through them and I'm still going through some where where I'm getting matured in some areas that I need maturing in but it's not a fun process but it's good to trust in that process because when you lose trust you kind of step out for a little bit that's really what you're doing you're making a choice to step out to say, I, I'm uncomfortable, so I'm, I'm going to step over here for a little bit. And I, I just want to tell you guys, it's going to slow down the process a little bit. you gotta, you got to stay in line and trust Jesus and keep on bringing that praise in when you're uncomfortable. 
Not, for, not just for your own sake, but because of him. Every time things start getting a little wobbly, it's really important to slow down and set your priorities and make sure that Jesus is at the top. And it's not because of what you want to receive for him. It's because you are aware that that's what we do. We glorify him because he's made himself king already. He's king, and we're not. And it's a beautiful, beautiful expression of praise in, this, in the Bible when it says, surrendering yourselves to God as living sacrifices. It is a sacrifice sometimes. It's not always easy to come in here and praise God, but it's, it is so, I, I just want to encourage you guys to be like the woman. I don't know if any of you have questioned why I bawl my eyes out during worship all the time or why Vince bawls his eyes out. Okay, good. I'm glad you haven't questioned. Some people have honestly asked me, and that's okay. Like, why do you always cry? And I'm like, I'm not sad. My kids have asked me, Mommy, why are you crying? And I had to tell them it's because I'm so thankful for who Jesus is. He's so beautiful. And so to set your priorities right, to say, Jesus, you're the one I want to behold. I set my gaze on you. And when you guys, I want to tell you guys, when you start to carve your life out, I started having visions and dreams of Jesus, of angels. My eyes were open to things that they were not opened before because I closed them off to things that I shouldn't have been watching. I opened my eyes to him and I closed them to other things. And what does the Bible say? The pure in heart shall see God. When you offer yourself to God as a living sacrifice and you let him start chipping things away, even if there's resistance, and you, but you say yes, even if it's like a, ooh, you're still saying yes. You're still saying yes, and that yes is going to get easier. It will, but what happens is he starts purifying your heart. He's carving things out because this says, but don't follow the culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then I love this. It says, then he will empower you to discern what God's will is. So there's a process. It's saying no to some things and letting him prompt you to close some things off. And when you start saying yes, you're going to have the discernment for the right things. You might be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what it should be, what I do need to cut off or what I should, where I should go or what I should be doing you say yes to God, and you say no to the patterns of this world. I don't think I need to spell it out for too many of you. But you start saying yes. It's so beautiful. That's his grace. As he empowers you. He gives you the discernment that you need to recognize. Discernment is to recognize what is of him and what's not of him. And you start to understand what his delights are. You start to have a taste. Your palate starts to change for who he is and what he has for you. And it, you start to see that everything starts to shift. Some of you know that you're called and have a calling on your life and feel like, how do I get there? This is how. This is how. There's been a seas seasons in my life where I have had that thing where I am just like desperate for God to move in my life. And I'm praying with him, and I'm interacting, 
And I'll tell you what, every single time he prompts me to start praising him. Every single time. And so all my girls have seen it. I'll walk around my house, and if I start feeling, you know, sometimes, not sometimes, always, we, we can have that internal thing where no one knows it, but internally you're, like, focused on something. You're racing inside. Like, there's something you want settled. And, and when that starts going on in me, I try my best to stop, and I will walk around my house, and I'll say, Jesus, I celebrate you in this house. I celebrate you in my life. I'm so thankful for what you've done in my life. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you called me. I'm so thankful that you gave me all these kids. I'm so thankful that you gave me my husband. I'm thankful for, and I just start going and going and going until that thing lifts. And if I have to do it 25 times a day, I'm going to do it. But what it does is it it's a constant thing of where I am making sure Jesus is the priority and not me. Not my stuff, not him answering my needs, but him. It's really remarkable the way that he comes because he loves us. And so I struggle with, with wanting to talk about what he wants to do for your guys' lives and how he comes because I want to make sure, like, we're here for him. <laughs> we're here to glorify him and to bring him praise. But he's so good that he does so many things for us. He's so good. Um, I want to take a moment. I... I want to take a moment, just, I want to end with one, one last scripture verse, and then I want to take a moment to just kind of share some things I feel the Lord has been sharing with me, but um, I want us to all do something this week, if you're willing. <laughs> it's an it's a encouragement, it's not a command. Um, my, my, one of my daughters always says, why do you always boss me around? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, I know, I know, I, they're, they're fiery, okay, um, <laughs> that one is like me, the one that I just mentioned, she's my child, and Vince, Vince always say that, that's you, that's you, she'll say something to me, and he's like, that's your daughter, <laughs> it's very true, oh man, thank you Lord for helping me tame my mouth, I did not. Um, okay, but here's what I want us to all do. It's Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. It's David saying, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Know my thoughts. And it's not in this way where we're saying, search me. It's not like, I want you guys to, to know he's so trustworthy when we say search me and when we open, open our lives up to him to prompt things for us, uh, maybe to change or to realign, to reposition, um, to, to delight in him, it's never in a shameful, hurtful way. I just want to make that clear. If you're ever feeling like when you're praying and you're asking God for things, if you're ever feeling anything negative or bad about yourself, that's not Jesus speaking to you. That might be yourself. That might be another voice. 
It's not Jesus. But he does rebuke, and he does convict, and he does tell us, hey, this is out of line, or hey, this is not delighting in me. But he always gives you the choice to say yes to that if you want to agree with it. He never makes you. But I want to, I want to say this. For, for us to bring praise to God this week, this is my challenge. Search me, O oh Lord. What in my life can you maybe redirect my thinking, the way I speak, my actions, what I'm watching, whatever it is. Jesus, it's just open book. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. And allow him to come in. And do it with the thing. I encourage you guys. There's so many of you that I I see a call on your life that is so massive, that is so big. All of us have calls in our lives. All of us. All of us are anointed by God. All of us. He wants to open our eyes to see heavenly, good, spiritual things. All of us, he wants to open our ears to hear his voice. And I, I just so prompt you to say, God, what does it take to get me there? What does it take? I'm hungry. I need more of you. How do I feel your presence every day and not just in here? And it's not out of this thing of works, but it's a God, I want to delight myself in you every day, all day. I want to, to, to be a host of your presence. God, what in my life, how can I make you comfortable to be hosted? Like, I want to host you. I want to invite you in, and I want you to be comfortable with what's inside of me. And Sometimes it's not, it's not always sin. I want to tell you guys that too. Sometimes it is. It's not always sin. Sometimes it's like, oh, you know what? I'm so happy you asked that. When you were seven, this thing happened to you, and it completely changed the way that you perceive me. That happened to me. I had such a performance thing on me to where I felt like I had to present myself to, as superwoman to God. Like, I... I, I'm here to serve. Like, that was me. Like, all through high school and college, I was like, I'm here for you, buddy. Like, how can I do whatever you want me to do? But it was out of so much performance because I was so, I, I, I was so scared of rejection. I was so scared of not being good enough that every time I came to the Lord, I was like, I'm here, you know? Like, I don't, I don't need anything. I'm good. And and it wasn't until my mid-20s that he said, oh, man, you know when that came on you? You were seven years old. And it was in that moment where I was, oh, gosh, I was going through so much. My dad had just died, and um, I had some really intense, heavy things going on in my family. And I was grieving my dad, and I just felt like I couldn't connect with God. And I'm like, God, whew, what is going on? You know, I check all the boxes. I'm like, I don't have, like, any active sin, intentional sin. Like, what is going on? Why can I not connect with you? And he started talking to me about my trust with him. And he talked about my vulnerability with him. That I was too scared to be vulnerable and to trust him in my pain. And so I never, I I always presented myself in perfection to him because I was so uncomfortable with what was really inside there. And so he, like, he was like, can I expose this? And he asked permission. I'm like, okay. 
And I'm telling you guys, for a while, a couple years, I felt like I was walking around inside out. Like, that's how vulnerable I felt. It was like all my childhood drama, trauma, craziness. It just felt so exposed. Did everyone see it and know it? No, they didn't. But that was the first time where I really let God in. And I let him in with the purpose of saying, I don't know how to trust you in this, but I want to. And it wasn't because I didn't believe he was a good God or anything, but I had never engaged with him on that level. I engaged with him on the, like, I'm your servant level. Tell me what to do, and I'm going to do it. If you tell me to tie my shoes, I'll tie my shoes. But I never knew the, like, depth of, of worship in that way and of trusting. And I'll tell you, I had so many dreams where in my dream, Jesus would walk up to me and ask me to literally do a trust fall. And in my dreams, I couldn't do it for months. And then one time I could. And like so much broke off of me. And so I want to tell you guys with that search me, oh God thing, it's not just like this sin stuff that he might be cutting out of your life. Some of it might be how we see him, how we connect with him, how we perceive him. God, how can I have more of you in my life? Where, where are you that is not positioned in its proper place in my life? If you think of like your life is, is like a wall full of shelves, like where, if God were a figurine, he's not, I'm so thankful. But if he were a figurine, like where is he on those shelves in your, in your life? Like in areas of your life, we have like these compartmentalized parts of us, and some parts are really comfortable with Jesus, and some parts are not. So the parts that are not comfortable with Jesus, I encourage you to kind of imagine yourself taking Jesus and placing him at the top of that, redirecting like his um, his person in your life. Uh, so. I just, I, I really, I really feel to emphasize today the trust thing. He's really, really, really trustful, trustworthy. Sometimes it may feel like he's not because that hasn't been modeled to you. So the reason why it felt like that to me was because the closest people to me were not trustworthy. They didn't take care of my emotions and my heart the way that God does. So I didn't know how to even, like, feel. Uh, Poor Vince, man. We got married. (laughs) I'm, like, this fun, young, 23-year-old when we met. We got married at 25, and, like, it's, like, right into our marriage. Like, my dad died (laughs) a month before we got married, and I got married and started grieving, and he's like, geez, like, what did I just marry? Um, because I was just, but uh, that was the first time it was like, I felt everything inside of me that I was not aware of for my whole life. And, And it was because I said, like, Jesus, I give you permission to show me. And then all of a sudden I'm like, whoo, I am messed up. And I did not know it. But, like, he's so gracious. And I want to tell you guys, like, encourage you. One, 
we're none of us are ever going to be perfect ever and we just like inherit things as we keep walking through life like hard stuff just happens and then we got to readjust and realign and get vulnerable again and so I, I want to encourage you guys it's not like I'm standing up here and like I'm good um no I've just I've I've been determined to always say yes to Jesus I've been determined to be like everything is yours the good the bad the ugly it's all yours and uh, this is my last thing. Last thing, I promise. I see people falling asleep on me. <laughs> I don't have my glasses on, but I can see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I love you. Um, no, this is the last thing. I, I really, uh, this is the fun part. I really want to share something with you guys that is exciting, which is why this word might feel a little intense. Okay, the intensity of, if I can say it plainly, like get yourself right with Jesus, get Jesus in the right position of your life, is because we've talked about the moves of God that are coming, right? We've talked about that a lot in here. It's going on. If, if you have any, um, you know, spirit-filled Christian people on your social media or whatever, like that's being talked about. The moves of God that are coming. It's what we've talked about we want to experience here. The moves of God where he demonstrates himself in power and heals people. The, the, the movement of God of his kindness because it says that his kindness leads us to repentance. So the move of God's kindness to bring people in is going to happen. Uh, the signs, the wonders, everything, it's going to happen. But this is why I'm saying this, is because I had this vision of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, and they were all used by God during this next move. In the previous moves of God, it was one person. And God said, I don't want the one person. I want the thousands who have been laid down for me. And when you lay your life down, I'm going to come. And I saw hundreds of thousands of people all over the globe. It's not just America, but I do want to tell you, it is coming to California. California is going to be lit on fire. But I saw them all around the world, and it was just normal people. But he let me into their lives, and I saw them laying down. I saw them laying down before him. And when they laid down, they were consumed with his fire. I saw literal flames like coming off of them. This is all in a vision, but they were laying down and they caught on fire and they would go out and signs and wonders and miracles were happening. People off of the street, the kindness of God was moving onto them. And so when I'm a little intense about the get your life Get Jesus positioned in your life where he is worthy of it. It's because of this. It's be the one that is a laid down lover that is consumed by his fire. Because I'm so hungry for more of God because I have seen arms grow out before. On the tenderloin in San Francisco, it was the first miracle I witnessed. I prayed for a woman and her arm grew out. She had no arm. She had no arm from her shoulder to her elbow and it grew out. And I've seen miracles and I've been healed. And I've seen addicts set free. I've seen people who were possessed by demons be free quietly and easily. And I've seen it and I'm like, God, I have to have more. And it's not because I want to do it. It's like I, when you see those things, his presence, it just comes alive. And you're like, you're so good. You're so amazing that you can do these things.
And so I lay my life down, Jesus. And I even encourage you, if any of you had said yes to a call of God that is on your life, if you said it when you were 7 or 17 or 77, if you've ever said yes, continue to do it. That's something that he's been prompting me to do. When I get all like riled up in my thing, I feel the Holy Spirit prompting him. And I I say out loud, Jesus, you have my whole life. Anything you want to do with me, anything you want me to say, anything you want me to do, you have my whole life. And I put my focus back on what I'm here for. I am here to bring glory to God. That is why he created creation. That is why in the beginning he created the heavens and the earth was to bring glory to him. And so we're here to bring glory to God. And so we constantly need to reposition ourselves to where we're giving delight to God. We're renewing our minds saying, God, what can I do to bring delight to you? Because that's the highest form of praise. And so I I just want to pray for you guys. And I want to give another word for the Gen Zers in here. There's like four, right? Gen Z, I don't know. Maybe none of you are Gen Z. I don't know the Gens. <laughs> I don't know that. Um, I, I want to say this, though. This has been, God has given me this word for Gen Z for over a year, and I haven't felt like I was supposed to release it until today, but I'm going to release it. For all of you guys, all of you who are not Gen Z, Why is this word important to you? Because they're going to start coming here and because God's going to use them. And I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years or five years or five days. When God lights a Gen Zer on fire, you should get prayer from them. You should let them minister to you. So to the people that are Gen Zers or not Gen Zers or if you work with them, some people have said, that that generation is one of the most lost generations that has ever been. Lost meaning the most unsaved, the most exposed to, um, to just all kinds of, uh, of sin, of different religions, of the, the deconstruction of their of faith and of all of these things. Some people have said that that is like the most unreached generation. They have all the things, you know, all the... the Man, I'm like really sounding old. But like the TikTok and the Instagram and the social media and and all that is at their fingertips of exposure, right? All of the uh, pornography, all of the LGBTQ plus stuff, all just everything. It's endless for that generation. Wouldn't it be like God to turn that around because it brings glory to him? The generation that people think is the most lost because they're so into their phones and to their things and to, to the exposure, to the ideas and opinions of the world, like it says in Romans 12, wouldn't it be like God to pluck them out and give them the eyes to see him? And so this is what the Lord says about Gen Z. For the ones who say yes to God, their eyes are going to see the things of heaven and their ears are going to hear the things of heaven. He's going to create music artists that literally hear the sounds of heaven and they create it, they compose it. So start listening to music. (laughs) Maybe not the music they have now, but the music that starts coming out. God's, God's going to rise 
up people in that generation. He's rise up, raise up. He's going to raise up people in that generation. And the things that are going to come out of them are going to be more creative than we have ever seen. Creativity in the church has been muted for a really long time, but the Gen Z is going to bring creativity to the church. And it's 100% birth through the Holy Spirit and through their eyes seeing Jesus. And so if you guys are Gen Zers, please raise your hand. Don't be shy. Literally no one in here is a Gen Z. Okay, Gen Z, thank you. I'm like, what year are you guys born in? Okay, my Gen Zers, I'm not going to call you up and make you uncomfortable, but I am going to pray over you that your eyes are going to be open and that creativity is unlocked inside of you guys. Okay? All right, let's do this. So in Jesus' name, we thank you for the call that is on this generation. God, we thank you for the ones that are here represented. And I just speak in the name of Jesus that your eyes would be opened to all of the things of heaven, that your ears would be open and unlocked, that creativity would be released on them, that new songs would be birthed and composed, that poetry, I just hear the word poetry. Amanda, I think that's for you. You are a poet. So God, I just thank you that new creative things are going to be unleashed through them, through the generation that has been unfiltered on what they see on their phones. There has been no filters, no protection of their eyes, but God, you are going to purify their eyes and they're going to see the things of heaven. And so we thank you, God, for angelic encounters over these people. We thank you, Jesus, for the fire that is going to consume them. Jesus' name. Amen. All right. You guys have your assignment for the week. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. And I want you guys, honestly, if you're like, I have to have more, God, I have to have more of your presence, I encourage you walk around your home, your part. If you live in a studio, if you live in a car, I don't care where you live, walk around it. Start singing the praises of God invite host his presence you're going to start experiencing him because experiences are not just for one person they're for everyone what does the bible say everyone that has ears to hear let them hear that's what he wants to do he loves you he wants to be your friend he wants the deep parts of him to be with the deep parts of you like i said about you last week bethany that's for everyone though all right so i release you guys. I love you guys. Thank you for being here. Vince will be back next week. For any of you that don't like me, he'll be back. He's a lot calmer. Okay. <laughs> Boo, I know, I know. Okay. Uh, there will be a prayer team up here. If any of you want prayer, you can come get it. If not, enjoy the day.